Jesus, we thank you so much. We believe in you, God. We believe that you can move those mountains, and we believe that you can do anything, God, that your will, Lord, has. It will be accomplished. Your plan will be done no matter what, God. And thank you that even if we fail you, you never fail, God. And you're faithful, Lord, to your word, to your promises. And I ask, God, that tonight you would anoint your word, our study here in the book of Acts, and that you would use it, Lord, to change us, to move us, to motivate us, to inspire us, God. But most of all, Lord, that, God, we would be more closer to you in understanding the truths that are before us. So I ask for your touch and blessings, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what if Paul the Apostle applied for a missionary position today? The response to that application, the response letter might read a little bit like this. Dear Mr. Paul, we received your application for the replacement for one of our missionaries. We are sorry to say that you have been denied. The board has major concerns on many issues. For example, you are afflicted with a severe eye trouble, so bad that someone has to write for you. In Antioch, you rebuke Dr. Simon Peter openly, while we need team players here. You admitted the church in Philippi is the only one supporting you. This must be an indication that something is wrong. You spent two years in prison at Caesarea and then in prison in Rome. You said that all forsook you. Not a good sign, again. It seems you cause trouble wherever you go. So to name like Ephesus, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth, Jerusalem. It was even reported you were stoned in Lystra. How you survive, we don't know. We don't understand. Plus, we have heard Alexander the coppersmith is saying much against you. And finally, your photo doesn't do missionaries justice. Short, bald, big nose, bow-legged, and a unibrow? Really? (laughs) So we regret you are not what we are looking for as a replacement missionary. Sign, Mission Board Secretary, Justice are right. (laughs) Well, if not for God's calling and choosing, I think no one would really Qualify. I know. I don't know if you guys got it, but this were this was a lot about Paul and his letters that we find about him, right? Well, as we return to our study in the Book of Acts, Judas actually leaves an empty seat. There's eleven apostles now, and there needs to be twelve, and so that empty seat needs to be filled with the replacement. And that's the title of our message tonight, The Replacement, The Replacement. We're going to be studying Acts chapter 1 from verse 15 through 26. 15 through 26. We're going to be finishing this chapter today, finally. And in this uh, passage, in this section we're taking, we're going to see three things. And we're going to see the prediction, the qualification, and the nomination. 
So the prediction, the qualification, and the nomination. Let's begin here. The replacement, number one in our outline, the prediction. The prediction. If you're taking notes, we're going to be covering verse 15 through 20. 15 through 20 here. Let's take a look at, first of all, verse 13. And we'll go a little bit from there. Verse 13. Or no, did I say 13? I meant 15, right? Verse 15. Sorry, I didn't change it in my notes. Verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. We'll stop there in verse 17. So we begin here in verse 15 with Luke writing here in those days. What days are we talking about? Well, it was those days of waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, which we're going to see next week in chapter 2. Now, it was these days that was they were waiting. It was actually about 10 days that they went to prayer and they've been praying. You remember Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem to pray and to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, which we talked about back in verse 8, which we saw this time of waiting, this time of prayer, we saw last time a few weeks ago when we were in the book of Acts. It was the groundwork to God's work, right? And so we spent time praying last uh, a couple weeks ago and even last Wednesday we spent some more time in prayer in applying this more into our lives. So in those days when they're having these prayer meetings every day in those 10 days during that time Peter stood up among the brothers. Now Peter is now the recognized leader for now. Later on, we're going to see like James, a leader in the church in Jerusalem. But for now, Peter's taking this role in this leadership. And so he stands up and then Luke enters a, inserts a little note here. In the parentheses in verse 15, he says, The company of persons was in all about 120. And Remember way back when we were studying earlier in chapter 1 that we saw that they were in the upper room, right? There were all the disciples, the apostles here in verse 13, all listed there. And they were praying together and also the women who followed Jesus, Mary, the mother of Jesus, his brothers, 120 total. I can imagine even Nicodemus was probably there. Right, Nicodemus and Jos- Josephus, um, uh, who who bear who allowed Jesus to be buried in his tomb, but many followers of Jesus, a hundred twenty of them, were gathered together in this prayer meeting. Now, a hundred twenty may be a lot to us, to some churches, that's nothing, but think about the multitudes that used to follow Jesus. They had this huge crowd. Or there was even 500 who saw Jesus resurrected at one time. Yet, there's only 120 people that are here praying in this meeting. And I was thinking, well, that's a typical prayer meeting there. 
uh, uh, kind of small for those days. But it was this small group that was going out to change the whole world. Amazing there. There. Here are the faithful few praying. So here's Peter. He stands up among all the brothers, the 120, and he said this in verse 16. Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. So Peter addresses a group, says, hey, hey, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled. In other words, everything that had happened, and we're talking about Judas, is what was predicted by God. It was said beforehand. It was the Holy Spirit that gave this to King David that Judas basically would betray Jesus. Jesus was the guide. He is the one who led, right, the authorities to uh, uh, Jesus when he was arrested the night of, before he died. So Peter's saying, look, understand this. The scriptures, the Old Testament scripture, what David wrote, uh, referring to Psalms, it talked about Judas. It predicted what Judas was going to do in betrayal. And then he says also that uh, um, in verse 17, for he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Judas was one of us. He was, he was a chosen disciple, just like we were. He was part of the 12, basically. He shared in ministry. We served together. He served with us right here, side by side. So the idea here is Peter saying, look, the reality is Judas was one of the 12 and betrayed Jesus, but it was all predicted. Jesus, I mean, Judas did exactly what the Old Testament said he would do. Psalm 41.9 talks about David wrote, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate bread with me, he lifted his heel against me. In Psalm 52, verse 12 and 13, David's like, For it's not an enemy who, who taught me. If it was my enemy, I, I could bear it. it. It would make sense. It was not an adversary who, who deals this way with me. Then I could hide from him, but David said, but it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. So you can see Peter just, just bringing up this issue of Judas, who was one of them, and that he was right there serving with us. And the reality that this one who betrayed Jesus, you know what, it was actually predictive. Peter, you can see, I believe, is bringing some closure now to what happened with, with Judas. He's backing it up with Scripture, and we're going to see some in a moment. But basically, he's saying God knew all along. It wasn't a surprise at all. God knew the choice Judas was going to make. God sovereignly worked that choice into his plan of redemption, right? With, with Judas, he brought the authorities and, and the whole uh, uh, 
uh, event of Jesus ending up dying on a cross, it, it opened up with that. It started with Judas bringing authorities there. It doesn't condone what he did, but you know what? It shows what God can do. He can turn something evil and turn it into something good. So Peter's saying, look, the scripture tells us, the Old Testament tells us, we, we know this. Peter's connecting the dots here. Now, they've connected the Old Testament prophecies with the New Testament fulfillment of Jesus coming, his, this first coming, of him being born into this world, of dying on the cross, and his resurrection. Remember Jesus taught the disciples in that 40 days between the resurrection and his ascension. So the dots were connected. Everyone understood that. And, and now Peter's bringing up, look, and, and you guys know, remember about Jesus. I mean, I'm sure Jesus taught them, yeah, about uh, uh, Judas. So Peter's like, well, you know about Jesus, but now Judas, connect the dots for Judas too. So Peter, first of all, takes this lead, stands up to show the prediction of Judas all came to pass. The prediction of Judas all came to pass. It was what was expected. We accept that now. We connect the dots that, oh, okay. It's not like a super shock to us. Now we understand. Have you watched the news lately? It can be depressing, yeah? It can be disheartening, right? The shootings, I mean, there's been more and more we see now. Haven't we? On different campuses, different places. Um, even the, the recent uh, event in South Korea, right? I think it was 150 people got trampled. Yeah, It's so hard and disheartening. The, the immoral things that are coming up that, that are commonplace now. The violence, the, 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 the suffering, and, and all even what we... What we hold as moral and good is being turned upside down and becoming like even policy in society. But remember this. This was all predicted, right? This was all known that in the last days, things are going to get all upside down. Paul predicted a lot of things in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Things like people are going to be lovers of themselves, yeah? Lovers of money, they're going to be proud, they're going to be abusive, yeah? They're going to act unholy, slanderous. I was thinking, oh, I was staring at that word for a little while, thinking, look, look at all the slander that's going out today in our political party, within people, groups, whatever that is. Not loving good, Paul wrote. It's been all predicted. And if you connect the dots to what has been predicted here in the New Testament, to where we're living today in the last days, the Apostle Paul wrote, it should not shock us. We should understand these are the times. They shouldn't depress us. We should understand that, well, Jesus is coming soon then. We should pray, of course. We should be concerned, but we shouldn't be disheartened about it. You can imagine what the disciples felt, right, when they found out that Judas was the one. He was one of us. What? He was the one who betrayed Jesus. He was the one that brought the authorities and started this whole chain of events. It must have been shocking to them. 
It was shocking to them that even Jesus Christ died. But once Jesus taught them in those 40 days, they could connect the dots of the prophecy and, and go, oh, I get it. I understand it now. So you see, Peter takes the scripture, takes the lead here and shows the prediction of Judas all came to pass. It was the prediction. God knew it all along. And you know what? It speaks to me that we have to know the scripture also, don't we? We have to understand. If we don't, then we don't understand things. We, don't, we can't make sense of things that are going on like the disciples were. But now they, they get it. They've connected those dots. They see that, oh, Jesus is the Messiah. It's predicted in Judas. Oh, that was predicted he was going to betray Jesus too. Remember Peter, uh, he, he, he said some crazy things before, right? Like, like when um, Jesus saying, hey, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going you know, to be put upon the cross. I'm going to be betrayed and die. And Peter's like, no, no, don't say that, Lord. That's, you're, you're crazy. Don't, you know, don't, don't say that. You know. But now he understands, right? And so here he's connected the dots. And like the new Peter... That's what we need to do. When we can't make sense of things maybe in our life, in the world, let's connect the dots to what the scripture says about it. Whether the prophecies of the last days or just understanding that trials and tribulations will come into our life. But not fear. Yeah. Christ has overcome the world. And greater is He yeah, that is in you than he that is in the world. So we can find comfort in that. So here's Peter standing up. Okay, you guys, the prediction of Judas all came to pass. We've connected those dots. Connect those dots now. Then he goes on in verse 18. Well, actually, Luke does. Verse 18, Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language uh, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. And then, for it, verse 20, For it is written in a book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. We'll stop there. So, first of all, Luke inserts a little comment here. And you can see the parentheses at the beginning of verse 18 at, and at the end of verse 19. And so he puts a little parentheses, a little comment here saying, now this man who Peter is talking about, it's Judas, acquired a field with the reward of his uh, wickedness. It's, it's Judas. Uh, there was a field bought with this reward. And what was the reward, do you remember, for betraying Jesus? 30 pieces of silver. And you know, I looked up that uh, 30 pieces of silver in today's rate is $264, about around there. For $264. I mean, when silver was low, maybe it was like $40. You know, Judas betrayed Jesus. But Luke writes now that Judas fell headlong and he, and he burst open the middle of his body and all his bowels gushed out. All his intent, in, intestines uh, spilled out. 
I know it's kind of gross and, and, and gory here. So Luke is saying, hey, you guys know about this. And that's why he's putting this commentary. We're talking about this guy, Judas. You guys know how all of Jerusalem, all the inhabitants, people who live there, they know that this field where he died. It's called uh, Al-Kadama, that is field of blood. Basically, Luke is saying, you guys know this. This is how Judas died. He's not around anymore. This is the way he died. Now, from Matthew 27, verses 4 to 10, and, and here, verses 18 and 19 in Acts chapter 1, if you put them together, you, you, you see what happened with Judas. We know Judas felt really sorry, not repented, but really sorry, that he, would, he had put an innocent man to death, basically, in his betrayal of Jesus. So remember, he went back to the temple, went back to the religious leaders, the chief priests, and, 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 and threw down the 30 pieces of, of silver on the ground and then walked away. Well, the chief priests, they have a law that they cannot uh, take that money because it was blood money. It was, it was basically used to, to, to betray someone, to get him killed. And they said, oh, well, we can't, we can't use it in our temple because it's blood money. How hypocritical, right, is that? Like, you know, kind of two rules there. So they took that money, bought this field in Judas's name. And when Judas went to end it all, uh, the rope or branch broke and he fell and he killed and all, all his intestines gushed out. So kind of gross. But basically, this is what happened. This is how Judas died and Luke is saying look we all know he's he had died in this manner so this is what Peter's talking about that Judas is gone now so we come back to Peter now verse 20 he's talking to the 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 room and he says for it is written in the book of Psalms so now he's going to quote actually from two different Psalms Psalm 69 25 and Psalm 109 8 verse 8 and first he says, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it. So basically, Judas's place, it's, no one's going to be there. It's, it's, it's going to be vacated. He's going to be removed from that seat. That's kind of the idea. But even more clear is from Psalm 109, verse 8, let another take his office. So Peter's saying, there's got to be a replacement now. we got to have a replacement. Judas is gone. Luke says, remember you guys know the field of blood? You guys know that, yeah? Judas had died. He's not around. So we need a replacement. So Peter takes the lead then to show the prediction was also talking about, was also for a replacement for Judas. The prediction was also for a replacement for Judas. Now that he's gone, there's 11 disciples or apostles now. We need one more. There's supposed to be 12. Jesus said in Matthew 27, verse 9, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. See, Jesus always planned for 12. Judas is gone now, so there's 11. So there's an empty seat. There's an empty seat. You know what's sad is 
is I think the biggest tra tragedy is not how Judas died, but the biggest tragedy is his missed opportunity. It was a missed opportunity. I mean, think of it. We, we're, we read here in verse 17, he was numbered among us. Yeah? He was one of the 12. I mean, that, that's an honored and privileged position, isn't, isn't that? He was part of the group. He was numbered among the apostles. And think about how the 12 were specially trained and specially spent time with Jesus. Judas spent this special time with Jesus. He heard Jesus. Really, I mean, I, I wish I could hear his voice, don't you? He, he saw the miracles. He heard the truth. He spent time with the truth. But he willfully rejected the truth. It was a missed opportunity for him. After all this time with Jesus, where are you now? Are you closer or are you farther away? I was thinking about, we know how Jesus was stealing from the money bag, right? We know how G, uh, Judas, um, did I say Jesus? Judas was stealing from the money bag, sorry. We know how Judas was disappointed with Jesus, right? Because he didn't do what Judas wanted him to do. He was disappointed. I oh, supposed to take over the Romans and all. You know what? Judas was more concerned for what, what, what was what was in it for himself, right? Than surrendering to what Jesus wants, and he missed that opportunity. Be careful, you guys, because we can slide that way too, where we're more concerned about, well, what's in it for me? Be careful of sliding that way rather than surrendering totally to what Jesus would want. Because when we do that, it's like a missed, it is a missed opportunity. One, one time I was, um, recently I was, um, one one morning, I checked a couple spots to go surfing, and um, but I was kind of tired. I got lazy. It was kind of cold, so I thought, ah, I'm just going to go home, and I almost went out to this one spot. Then the next day when I went out, a friend of mine told me, oh, you missed it. You should have gone out. That was it, and I thought, ah, oh, I missed it. Why? Because I, I just thought about, ah, me, me, me. Yeah. Be careful for Judas was like that and it was the biggest tragedy was his missed opportunity all right so the replacement is needed we see first the prediction and now we come to number two the qualification the qualification now here we're going to look at verse 21 and 22 21 and 22 it says here in Acts chapter 1, verse 21, So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become, uh, become with us a witness to his resurrection. All right, uh, the English here isn't that 
super clear, but basically Peter's saying, look, we need a replacement. And we got to pick one man from among us here. One man that fulfill the qualification. Now, we're going to see three, a threefold qualification here. And number one is this. He had to be with Jesus from the start to finish. Verse 21, so one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time, the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. The whole time, from when Jesus came in um, into ministry to when he went out. Verse 22, it says, from when Jesus was baptized by John, which was the beginning of Jesus' ministry, until the day when Jesus was taken up, it speaks of his ascension. So this has to be a guy, Number the first a qualification is someone who had been there with the disciples and Jesus the whole time. If you think about it, um, it's like Jesus, Judas, who heard the truth, saw the miracles, spent time with Jesus. Uh, but unlike Judas, um, that they believed in Jesus and was there the whole time. So that's the first qualification. Number two is he had to be an eyewitness of Jesus uh, um, of, of Jesus resurrected and alive. And that's what he's saying. Um, accompanying us during all the time, the Lord Jesus, or excuse me, uh, verse 22. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. Someone who along with the other disciples had seen Jesus with their own eyes alive. So number one, he had to be with Jesus from the start to the finish of his ministry. Number two, he had to be an eyewitness of Jesus, resurrected and alive. And number three, he had to be chosen by God himself. Now this third one, peek ahead to verse 24, it says, And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearers of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. So that's important. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But God was to choose this apostle, this 12th apostle. We remember back in Luke uh, chapter 6 that Jesus prayed all night before he chose the 12. And of course, Judas was part of that. He gave Judas a chance. So now that Judas is gone, in the same way, God will be the one to choose the specific man to fill the empty seat. So this is the three qualifications. He had to, had to be there uh, with Jesus from start to finish of his ministry. And I, he had to be an eyewitness with his own eyes to see Jesus resurrected alive. And he had to be chosen by God himself. That is the qualification for the 12th apostle here. Now, this brings up two different views on who the 12th person is. Some say, they talk about in this passage, that Peter acted impulsively. We're going to see that they cast lots in verse 26 to find the one who God chose. And many, uh, 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 I'll say, some commentators feel that Paul should have been the 12th guy. The Apostle Paul should have been the, the 12th Apostle here. I mean, 
he wrote most of the New Testament. We see in the book of Acts, a lot of it, the story is about him. But let me give you this thought, and, and I, I lean toward this. I believe this more, that there's no indication here that something was wrong here. There's no indication at all. Matter of fact, we see Peter was bringing up Scripture and saying, look, this was the prediction, and the prediction is we've got to fill the 12th position here. And so I believe by the inspiration and the guidance of the Spirit, Peter stood up and he talked in this way and led them into finding who this 12th apostle will be. Now, with these three qualifications, if you look at Paul, Paul did not fulfill all three. He fulfilled two of them. Number two, he saw the resurrected Jesus. Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And we'll be studying that too in the book of Acts. He fulfilled number three. He was directly called. He was chosen by God to be an apostle. But he did not feel number one, that he was there from the beginning of Jesus' ministry to the end when he was ascended. So he didn't really fulfill that position. Some argue that, well, I, I think it's Paul because you don't really hear of, of Matthias, which is going, I can give you a little, little uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, uh, huh? Preview. Preview, but you know when you ruin it, yeah, kind of thing. But anyway, yeah. Spoiler, spoiler alert, it's Matthias. Matthias, so, Matthias. Uh, yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't yeah, don't say that. You guys read ahead. No, <laughs> but anyway, uh, some say, well, you don't hear Matthias. You know, uh, after after this, you don't hear about it. But it's all about Paul. But but think about this: you don't hear about three quarter of the disciples. You know, the apostles here either. Yeah. So I I don't think that argument really holds. There's a focus in of certain of the apostles. Besides that. Paul himself said in 1 Corinthians 15, 8, that he was one untimely born. He was born out of time. In other words, he became an apostle out of the time line. In other words, he's saying, well, I'm, I'm not part of the 12. You know, I'm, I, I'm not part of that. I'm separate from that. And it, it wasn't done the same way. And that's what Paul was saying. I look at it this way. The disciples or the apostles, the 12 apostles, including Matthias, they were the ones tasked to lay the foundation of the church. They were really tasked to that. And primarily their ministry went to the Jews. Paul was the apostle to what? The Gentiles, right? And we're going to be seeing that. We're going to see God's call in that. And, and so I've, I feel like, no, Matthias is the one. I believe he is the one. I believe that he's part of this 12 that Jesus talked about that will be that, you know, remember Revelation, that the city, the new city of Jerusalem, the foundation of the, 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 um, the city was the 12 apostles. I think Matthias is in there. His name is there. Later on, I, I feel like he's validated. Like, turn over to Acts chapter 6. Turn a couple pages over, Acts chapter 6. 
And it says in verse 1, Now in these days when the disciples increasing number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their wilderness were being neglected in the daily distribution. Verse 2, And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Notice verse 2, And the twelve. They didn't say, And the eleven. Yeah. And we're waiting for Paul still. You know, it, 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 no, Matthias was re- a recognized member of the 12 apostles. So I believe that what we read and what we're going to be seeing in the choosing of Matthias, I'm not saying his name right, right? Matthias, 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 Matthias is validated. It's here in the scripture and there's nothing to indicate that it was wrong. So we accept, as we do other scriptures, right, that this is the word of God. And the Spirit has, has just as with David inspired David, so the inspired Luke to write this to become the 12th apostle. And so we accept who God places there, don't we? And we submit to what God is Doing, And that, I think, is an important principle anyway. To whoever God places in leadership, and we talked about even in the government on Sunday, right? We accept that and we submit and surrender in a godly fashion. All right, so the replacement, here's the working, the process. First, there's the prediction Peter talked about that we need to fill the the empty seat here, the qualification he put out there. And now let's go to our last part, the nomination, the nomination. Verse 23 to the end. It says here, And they put forward two, Joseph called uh, Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. So stop right there. Okay, as we come right into verse 23, they found two guys that fulfilled the three qualifications. And the two guys were was uh, Joseph, um, called Barsabbas, who is also Justice. I think that's confusing. Just call him one name. No. But, but maybe he was known for some different names for, for whatever reason. Maybe that's why they chose Matthias. No, anyway, just joking. But two guys qualified in those, that threefold qualification they were looking for. There are these two. Now, we know nothing of these two, only what's written here. So then they prayed. They put this before the Lord and they prayed and asked, God, you, Lord, you know the hearts of all. You know these guys. Show which one of these two you've chosen. Who is the one you're choosing, God? And they prayed this. You know, show us who's going to take the place of Judas in this ministry, the apostleship that Judas left empty, that position there, basically. Isn't this great that they prayed first? Understand, they prayed first. They asked God to choose. God, we want to do your will. And that's so important, right? Isn't it? 
for us to pray before making any decision, especially choosing leaders, especially choosing who you're going to marry, especially choosing who your kids are going to marry. No, just joking. But, but we pray for that, right? Uh, especially choosing who the leaders of the church are going to be. It's so important to pray first, just like Jesus did as I mentioned, in choosing the disciples. So, so they're praying this. So they prayed first, and then look at verse 26. And after they prayed, they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 uh, apostles. So they cast lots. What is that? Well, most likely, it was probably two stones, most likely. Uh, probably... Um, uh, the bigger rock was uh, Joseph called Barsabbas Justice because he had more names. No, I'm um, just joking. But one had Joseph's name, one had Matthias possibly. And maybe they put it in a bag and they grabbed it and pulled it out. And it was Matthias. He was the one. He was God's choice. Uh, uh, and because whichever was drawn, they prayed first. They prayed that God would, would use this casting of lots to bring God's will out for who he chose. Now, understand this. This is, this is not gambling. It's not for money. It's for seeking God's will. And this was a common Old Testament practice. Now, remember, in Acts chapter 1, they're, they're coming still... Uh, we're coming into this, and they're still like Old Testament kind. When you come into chapter 2, when the church starts, the Holy Spirit comes, that's, that's like the whole New Testament way. After Acts chapter 1, you never see anything about casting lots and doing things this way. So they're still in this Old Testament economy, and it's the last time we're going to see this happen. Do you remember in Joshua chapter 7, um, something was going on. They were defeated, right, by Ai. They're sinning a camp, Joshua's told. And so what did they do? They cast lots to find out who it was. They went to the tribe. They went to the, the family, and it came to Achan, right? The, the, God revealed who that person was. When they, when they came to the promised land to divide the land, which tribe would get which portion? They cast lots, Nehemiah, he, he picked leaders with, the, with, with, with this casting of, of lots too. You know, the, the priests had a breastplate with all the, um, the 12 stones yeah, representing Israel. And he also had a little pocket with, with the Urim and Thummim, they called it. Two stones, black and white stone. And many times, same way, they pulled out black one, no, white one, yes, or something like that. So that was the way they could find God's will, his choosing in that way. Proverbs 16.3 even says the, the uh, lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. So that was the Old Testament way. And understand, they prayed first. Maybe they prayed for days, I don't know. But they prayed first, then cast a lot. And here, Matthias came out to be apostle number one. And, and, and isn't this great? You don't read anything about like um, 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 jo Joseph, right? 
uh, protesting this. Oh, I want to recount. Do it again. Do it again. You know, kind of thing. No. It was accepted that this is it. The nomination of God really went to Matthias. The nomination of God went to Matthias. You know, what's interesting. History tells us that Matthias went on to um, uh, preach in Judea. He started out this. And then he went to uh, Colchis. I think that's how you say it. Or in our modern times, uh, a, a city, I guess, by the Repub- in the Republic of Georgia on the Black Sea. He was so effective in sharing the gospel, he ended up being persecuted and was stoned to death. So he was, he was a, a, a great guy. He was an apostle, official apostle. Now, before we close tonight, what can we learn from Matthias? There's actually something we can learn from Matthias. I want to give you three things. Number one, Matthias was a praying man. He was a praying man. He was part of this group praying the whole time. He was, he was in the upper room. He was, he, he was there. It, it wasn't like, can you imagine if, if, say, they chose the last apostle, apostle number 12, say on day 10, you know, right before um, they want, Peter wanted to make sure we have all 12, you know, and the promise of the Father and the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. What if he gave up on day 9? Ah, I'm, I'm out of here, you know. No, he was, he was persevering in prayer. He didn't say, forget it. He didn't say, ah, this is boring. Praying every day for 10 days, prayer meeting, what? Ah, it's not going to work. Why are, we, why are we here? No, he was persistent in praying and seeking God like the other. So we know he was a praying man because he's, he's there praying with them. I heard a story from a friend that someone came up to uh, a lady in church and asked her to do something big and her re- reply was oh well let me pray about it well the response was are you one of those praying Christians and she said is there any other kind I mean really right and we've been talking about prayer and the importance of prayer well here's Matthias he was a praying man persevering prayer always precedes the answers Always precedes the victory. Always precedes the blessings. Remember, it's a groundwork to God's work. So number one, we know he was a praying man, and we can learn from that and be praying people too. Number two, he was a faithful man. We saw and we, we understand from the qualification that, that Matthias was with Jesus for three years. The whole time of Jesus' ministry from the start till now, even afterwards, right? He's still there with everyone. He's part of the 120, still there. And he was there, I believe, because he, he loved Jesus. I think he, he was all sold. He, he was sold out for Jesus. He, was, he wanted to be part of God's work. He was faithful, always there, always there, no matter what. You know what it makes me think about? Joshua. We know when Moses went up to the top of the mountain, there was Joshua, right? Joshua was there. When Moses went into the tabernacle and everyone went home to sleep, Joshua was still there, lingering even, Scripture tells us. And guess who was chosen to take over from Moses? Fred. No, Joshua, 
right? Because he was always there. You ever think about why was Mary Magdalene the first to see Jesus resurrected? Mary was there. She was the first one there. She, she went to the tomb. Where was all the, the, the men? Where were the disciples? They weren't there. But Mary was there. This is Matthias. He was a faithful man. He was always there. So he was a, a, a praying man. And he was a faith, faithful man. And number three, last thing, he was a humble man. See, I, I could see him, if, if it was about getting into leadership, yeah, being an apostle, he would have left long ago, I think. If it was about a position, he would have been like Judas. Oh, when it didn't work out that way that Judas was out. I think uh, Matthias would have quit already. No, he was humble about it. It didn't matter to him if he was an apostle or not. It didn't matter. He just wanted to be there, right? He was part of the group, praying, always there. And he was humble about it. And there was no hidden agendas with Matthias. And I like that. I like that. I want to be like that. Sometimes maybe God gives you a vision or God calls you to do something and Sometimes the hardest thing is to wait. Sometimes you're yearning to be used of God, and, and, but God's like, there's no opportunity. Or, or God's like, no, not right now. But remember, Zechariah talked about to not despise the days of small things. Yeah. Just be faithful where you're at. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For, whoever, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Yeah. Keep, keep sowing to the Spirit. Yeah. And, uh, Galatians also talks about, you know, to, to not give up. Yeah. And to keep sowing. Keep going. Don't be discouraged. God has His timing. God has His will. Keep sowing. Keep praying. Be faithful. And stay humble. Maybe... Right now, God is grooming you to take the place of someone. Maybe. Maybe God, there's something coming up and God, God, God is getting you ready. I was, I was sharing with someone the other day how Rose, who we support um, the orphanages there, she, God told her to go to Thailand. She just went alone and happened to run into... Uh, a lady was retiring from a, a, a small group of kids she was watching. That's how the orphanage started. Maybe God is grooming you to, who knows? Maybe God desires to pass the torch to you in a certain way from someone. But the thing is, are we praying people? Are we faithful? Are we there? Are we... Are, are we continuing to seek God and be willing to submit and surrender to His will? Or is it, sadly, like Judas was, more about my gain rather than God's plan? Are we willing to lay ourselves down, to die to ourselves, and do what God wants?
not for our own self. William Carey, I'll close with this, is known as the father of modern missions. He served our Lord in India. Now his son Felix, when he was young, said that he wanted to be a missionary too. But later took position of the ambassador to Burma. Concerned for him, Carey wrote his friend saying, pray for Felix. I, I like how Carey put this too. He has stepped down to be an ambassador for the British government when he should be serving the king of kings. There's no higher position than to serve God. So let us keep our aim high. And you know what? Be candidates for God's work. Let's be ready. Let's be praying. Let's be faithful. Let's be humble. For you don't know when God will call you to be the replacement. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word once again. Lord, I'm always so grateful how incredible it is, Lord, how deep and how much we learn from it, God, and how you speak to us. And as we come to a close here in worship, God, we cry out to you that you would search our heart, Lord, that you would know us, God, that you would see if there be any wicked way in us, Lord, that you would help us, God, to recognize, to see it, to deal with it, to bring it to the cross, be forgiven, Lord, to, to cast it out, to deny ourselves, Lord, to humble our pride, Lord, and to make the resolve, Lord, that we will be faithful to you and that we would commit ourselves to be a person of prayer. God, we want to be there like Joshua was. We want to be there like uh, Matthias was, Lord. Wherever you want us to be, we want to be there, Lord, sold out fully for you, God. And so, God, help us tonight, Lord, whether... You're grooming us, Lord, for something else. Maybe replace, Lord, or whether you just want us to become who we are and serve, Lord, in the way and capacity you want us to be, you're calling us to be. God, we want to be, Lord, your servant, a ready tool, God, submitted to you, pure and clean before you and ready to be used in a mighty way. So, Lord, help us tonight, God. In Jesus' name, amen.